Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Sweet Hills in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. God spoke through Moses, when you come to the land which the Lord your God is giving you, and possess it and dwell in it, and say, I will set a king over me like the nations that are around me, you shall surely set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses, one from among your brethren, you shall set as king over you, you may not set a foreigner over you who is not your brother, but he shall not multiply horses for himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt to multiply horses. For the Lord has said to you, you shall not return that way again. Neither shall he multiply wives for himself, lest his heart turn away. Nor shall he greatly multiply silver and gold for himself. Now listen to this. Also it shall be, when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, that he shall write for himself a copy of this law in a book from the one before the priests, the Levites. And it shall be with him, and he shall read it all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God and be careful to observe the words of this law and these statutes, that his heart may not be lifted above his brethren, that he may not turn aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left, and that he may prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. You see, it was spelled out for him. How many kings were there before David? Just one. So th- that word applies to two, and one's gone. I believe he read this. I believe he knew this. And for some reason, as a man of God as he is, he thought it didn't apply to him. And we need to be careful because the word of God, we are encouraged by God to follow his word and not turn to the left or to the right, but to stay according to the word. And our lives will be blessed if we believe that the word of God applies to my life. And I'm not going to compromise. I'm not going to go to the left or to the right or make excuses. It is for me. It is for you. That is a blessed life. Not... Being gifted and talented and and loving God in his own way, yes, but what are you doing here, David? And where are the priests at? Where are the Levites at saying, what are you doing? This is how the Canaanite kings live. David, what are you doing? Where are the prophets telling them? No one's saying it. We don't read that anyone in Israel checked them on that. It's as if the whole nation compromised. It became a big thing when he took someone else's wife. Right? That's what we read about. And this shows that there's an issue with David that will carry on and lead him right to Bathsheba and Uriah and that whole mess. Because it's not dealt with. The Bible says that a little leaven leavens the whole lump. A little bit of sin grows into leprosy. It grows. If it's not cut, that's why Jesus said, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eyes... If your eye, your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It's better for you to go into heaven maimed than into hell with your whole body. Sin is more dangerous than we 
give it credit for, but we should, Lord, help us. And I'm not bashing on David. I love King David. He's an example of godliness, but he's also an example of compromise that we need to learn from. The Bible says to flee sexual immorality, to flee it, flee youthful lust, parents to watch the kids and to watch what they watch and what they're, to, to be about knowing what the kids are watching. Kids stay away from any of, you know, innuendos, any uh, compromise, any uh, lustful images, things like, you know, these things are everywhere. And it's the same kind of trappings that Satan has been using on both men and women since Genesis. So we had better be careful when it comes to sexual immorality. We have got to be careful concerning our thought life. Clarissa always says, and slam the women. You always talk, talk about that. The women are bad too. It's true. From a guy's perspective, sometimes we forget, but it's good to have my, my wife as my helpmate to say, yeah, you know. I mean, can you imagine? These are concubines. I mean, he housed them. He had a harem. Why isn't anybody upset at that? And why don't we read about anyone? What are you doing? And I'm, I'm sure that no one would be so bold in church, call themselves a Christian, to walk around with a harem. But how about in the mind and in the heart? The Bible says to take every thought captive that tries to exalt itself against the knowledge of God. Every wrongful, wicked, perverted thought that creeps into our minds has to be dealt with by the Spirit immediately because that's the test that God is testing us. Whether we'll do away with that thought or let it sit and stew, take every thought captive, whatever things are are holy and true and of good report, meditate on these things, the things that are holy. Satan is trying to destroy lives. He's trying to destroy churches. It's kind of raw in my heart because uh, a pastor that I love, his son, has just been found out. Things are not good up in Oregon. We pray. They're cautionary tells. So the Bible says, beware he who thinks he stands, lest he fall. I remember talking to my pastor, and I'll let you in on this conversation. When I was a young man, before I was married, it was during that time where I was whipping myself and ashes and what do they wear sackcloth like because i was single and i was like dying and uh the subject came up on of lust and and guys will you know men's breakfast they'll talk about these things sometimes and and he said you know as long as we're in this world that comes and goes and we have heard about very older men falling into sexual immorality and you think, what? The lesson is, until we're out of these bodies of death, we need to be careful to walk in the Spirit. Because just when you think you don't have a problem with that, the enemy comes. So we should look at these cautionary tells as it could have been me. So we better all be careful. Does that make sense? In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 6 through 8, it says, Now these things became our examples. To the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted, and do not become idolaters as some of them were, as it was written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play, nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did, and in one day 3,000 fell. 23,000. Galatians 5.16 
You know the verse. I say then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these things are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. By walking in the spirit, we do not fulfill any of the desires of the flesh. The lust of the eye, the lust of the, of the flesh, and the pride of life. If we walk in the spirit, if we're walking and abiding with Christ moment by moment, that is when the fruits of the Spirit are, are producing and the flesh is put at bay. Whoever you feed that day will be the strong one that day. Pastor Chuck used to put it like two dogs. If you have two small chihuahuas and you feed one and you don't feed the other one, one becomes the, the dominant power. And if you walk in the Spirit, if we walk in the Spirit, then that becomes the dominant power in our life. And so, yep, let's move on. Verse 8, now when the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over all Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for David. And David heard of it and went out against them. Then the Philistines went and made a raid on the valley of Rephaim. And David inquired of God, saying, shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? Now, here's the, the cool thing about this story, I think. David gets a palace. David is being established. Israel is being built up. Things are going really good, and the enemy comes to attack. When things are being established, the enemy came to attack. And I believe that in the same sense, when God is establishing our life, spiritually, building something special, wanting to do something big, that the enemy comes. And I love that David went out to meet the enemy. It's almost as if he understood, like God's establishing this nation. He's establishing his kingdom for the people, but also to take out God's enemies. In other words, can we not apply that to our faith and our Christianity, to our salvation, that God, we're born again, we've been saved, so that we can fight Jesus' enemies? Man, that's a good one. If I must say, thank you, Lord. Christianity isn't just about getting saved and not fighting. That's why, that's, that's why I say amen to that. Thank you, Lord. Because Christianity isn't about just going to church. Like, what? God saved, is establishing you to take ground from the enemy. To share your faith with friends and loved ones and, and anyone. To be a part of what God is doing in, in your church. Fighting the good fight, as Paul would say. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. To life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many hold on to eternal life grasp the things of God hold on to them stand fast be about that Bible says that a good soldier does not uh, you know get involved in the cares of this life in this world but how he might please him who enlisted him we are in a fight and when you're blessed like David is in our story and, he's, and the kingdom's being established and the palace is being built, 
Even though he's blessed, he's still going to go fight. We have to be willing to fight for the cause for the Lord in and out of season. Good times, bad times, tonsillitis, headachy, sleepy, whatever, just to push, just fight the good fight. It's a war. Ephesians 6, 11 says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. That is the most trippiest verse ever. I mean, think about it. God is, is, is speaking truth that we are fighting a spiritual battle. Things that are unseen in the dark places. Guys, that's... I mean, that alone, kids, your teachers would think you're crazy unless they're Christian. But we're fighting against spiritual forces. And it says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. It's not a physical battle, but a spiritual one. But I think some people finish right there, right? For we do not wrestle, period. Some people stop right there. Yeah, you're right. You don't wrestle. You're not in the fight. There's no resistance with some people. They're not even in it. They're on the sidelines. There's no skin in the game. And we're supposed to look at the the hall of faith in Hebrews 11, where Christians were, prophets were sawed asunder in two for their faith. Everyone's worried about being saved. Be safe, be safe, you be safe. It's a war. I'm not saying don't take precautions. I'm saying to those who just are done, done with the church. In general, and I'm talking around the world and in our country, not, ne- not, not necessarily Sweet Hills. I mean, just the way people are thinking, there's no resistance. The Philistines came when God was establishing. God is establishing, and the enemy is coming. And I love it when my brothers say, go get them for the Lord, Pastor Ryan. Go get them for the Lord. I love hearing it and being able to look at my brother when he tells me that. It's harder to receive it from brothers who don't come around, sisters who don't come around, you know. Go fight the fight. You know what I want to say to them, right? What fight are you fighting? When are you going to get in the fight? We've been fighting. Where have you been? I say that lovingly. Guys, I mean, we got to be involved. We have to say, Lord, here I am. Use me. For this reason, you, are, you, are, you have exalted me to the heavenly places. The Bible says we have been exalted. We, 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 eternal life is ours. We're not laying hold of it. We're not acting like we're going to heaven and eternal life is ours. And, 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 and right now I'm about doing my king's business. I'm, you know, but some are like, yeah, I wrestle not. Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand. In James chapter 4, verse 6 through 10, God says this, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. The humble, a humble Christian is in the fight. A humble Christian is in the fight because God says to fight. A humble Christian serves because God says to serve. A humble Christian does what Jesus says to do. That's the picture of humility. What's the picture of pride? God says serve and you say, yeah, not so much today. God says get in the fight. Yeah, not so much today. 
God says a lot of things that a lot of us say, not so much. What is that but pride? Pride says, I'm going to do what I think is right, and I'll just think about what you want me to do, and when I'm ready, I'll let you know. We're going to take communion right now. When was he ready to go to the cross for our sins? I mean, he died a brutal death. And the most humble thing we can do is say, whatever you want me to do, I'll do, Lord. Because you died for me. God resists the proud. Who are the proud? Those who aren't about... Again, it's, 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 it's like being a Christian, knowing what he says, but it doesn't really apply to me. He's not going to hold me accountable to it. Just like David in our story with, with the harem and, the, and all the wives. You know you're not supposed to do it. You're the second king. It was written for the kings. You know that you're not supposed to do it. How can you believe it doesn't apply? How do you think God, why would you believe God's not going to hold you accountable to that? And so many Christians just think they're not going to be held accountable for it, that God's grace is so fluffy and sweet and, and wonderful that we can just ignore what he says. I will not, and I'm fine. I'm fine. It's good for you, not for me. So patronizing to a king, the lion of the tribe of Judah is going to be okay with that? But then they want prayer, then they want blessings, and they want changes and open doors. They don't want to pick up a broom. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Submit to God, resist the devil. Submit to what God wants you to do, resist the devil. And perhaps he will exalt you because you, res- you obey the Lord and you resist the devil. That's what he exalts the humble. Oh, you're going to resist the devil and you're going to submit to God? Then God's going to raise you up. You will get that job. Your prayers will be answered. You will be blessed. Spiritually, you, you know, you'll grow so much, you'll be so amazingly blessed. They go hand in hand. And I like how he prayed to God. He said, Lord, he inquired of God in verse 10, shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? I love that humility in, in asking God, is this your will for me to fight this fight? And the Lord said to him, go up for I will deliver them into your hand. So they went up to Baal Perasim and David defeated them there. Then David said, God has broken through my enemies by my hand like a breakthrough of water. Therefore they called the name of that place Baal Perasim. And when they left their gods there, David gave a command and they were burned with fire. They left their little idols there, the Philistines. And David commanded, burn that stuff. Burn that stuff. What stuff? The stuff that grieves our God. If there's anything in our homes that needs to be burned or thrown out. Let it be thrown out then. If there's anything that causes us to stumble or to sin, let us get rid of it. Then the Philistines once again made a raid on the valley. 
Therefore David inquired again of God, and God said to them, you, you shall not go up after them. So right after a victory, you think there'd be some downtime. But that's the way it is with spiritual warfare. It comes in waves. Sometimes it's like, boom, bam. Huh. That's the gut shot. Sometimes it's heavy. All I can say is I thank God that he's with us through those storms. But sometimes it's you have a victory and then bam, you get slammed again. But we learn to persevere because the, the waves come frequently sometimes. So, you know, you get used to it. When I'm at the beach and I, I, love, I love to surf and, you know, I got to get used to getting hit, used to falling, used to the cold, used to the, you know... I have to fall a few times before I can ride a wave. There's so much to learn in that. And now the kids are learning on their boogie boards. And I'm, I'm watching Olive just get slammed. And, you know, you kind of watch her. You want her to get slammed a little bit because you got to feel what that's like. And, and Christians, with that warfare, with, with, we, we have perseverance. We grow in our faith when we know God gets us through one battle and another battle and another battle. Don't worry. The battle will cease for a second. But in this life, we're going to keep fighting until we're with the Lord. But it's interesting, a beautiful example of what to do is to ask God what's going on, to ask him about this battle. Should I go? And what did he say the first time? He said, yep, go. But this time he's telling David, no, 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 don't go. You shall not go up after them. Instead, look at this, circle around them and come upon them in front of the mulberry trees. And it shall be when you hear a sound of marching in the tops of the mulberry trees, then you shall go out to battle. For God has gone out before you to strike the camp of the Philistines. When was he to attack? When he heard the noise of the marching troops on the tops of the mulberry trees. In the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell upon the apostles. We're told in Acts 2 that when they were all with one accord in one place, that suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Whenever I see, you know, the breeze, the wind going through the trees, it's such a blessing to me. Because I'm reminded of God's spirit. The wind reminds me of God's spirit. Jesus told Nicodemus when, when you know, they met by night and Jesus told them that he must be born again. Born again. Uh, Jesus said in John 3, 8, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it but cannot tell where it comes from or where it, is, where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. To be sensitive to God's spirit as we pray. Should I do this, Lord? Should I not do this, Lord? What should I do? To be able to sit, pray, listen, watch. God's Holy Spirit will speak to your heart on what is the right move to make. But we have to be still enough to be able to see those mulberries moving. And we know it's time to go. Amen? So we'll finish up real quick. So David uh, uh, did as God commanded him, and they drove back the army of the Philistines from Gibeon as far as Gezer. 
Then the fame of David went out into all lands, and the Lord brought the fear of him upon all nations. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your grace and your love. We ask, Lord, that you would bless it to our hearts so that it produces much fruit, that you would help us to share the things that you've taught us tonight, Lord, with others. And while all heads are bowed, if you're here tonight, and God has spoken to your heart, And you know that you have sinned against God. And you need to repent. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand so I can lead you in a prayer to ask for God's forgiveness tonight. He's ready and willing to forgive you if you are sincere about repentance. And if you would believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and rose on the third day, confess them you shall be saved father again we thank you and ask your blessing thank you for joining us today at lasting truth radio if you're in the area come out and join us for sunday services at 10 a.m or wednesday evening at 7 p.m we are located at 3035 west nicholas street in banning you can also find us on youtube or instagram If you'd like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel Sweet Hills.